Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello? Hello? <clears throat> Podcast Network Asia. Network Asia. Welcome to She Talks Peace, a podcast that highlights the role of women peace builders around the world in bringing lasting peace and security to communities, eavesdrop on their communities and get to know their stories. From the Philippines to Malaysia, from Indonesia to Palestine, from Myanmar to the United States, their dreams and hopes for a world without violence and a world where every woman and girl can be whoever she wants to be. Hosted by Amina Rasul Bernardo, President of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy. This is She Talks Peace. It's important to to have women on board because they are the key stakeholders of the conflict. When men are fighting, right? Women have to take up so many roles that they ne- they have never done before, right? So that's why their voice, their concern, their grievances are matter, and we need to listen to them more. And I believe that uh, as a woman, they can manage to reach out to various groups of people and can create become a connector. To this uh, conflicting society, they can engage more with various groups of people, with youth, with elderly, with religious leader, with many parties. Salam, everyone! Hello, hello, hello! Welcome to another interesting episode on She Talks Peace. I am Amina Rasul of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy. Greeting you from Manila, and I am joined by my lovely co-host. Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Ayesa. I'm based here at University of Malaysia Sabah in Kota Kinabalu, and I'm happy to be joining again Miss Amina Rasul for another episode of our She Talks Peace. So, what's up, Ayesa? What are what mischief are you doing in in Sabah at the university these days? Well, it's the usual work that we have at the uni, you know, teaching. Like this morning, I had my to engage the students in discussing uh, very um, difficult questions about human rights, you know, how uh, they view human rights, especially when they look back about, you know, how they grew up in their families. You know, the traditional values and traditional practices, ask them directly whether they think they it violates human rights or not. So uh, a lot of interesting uh, answers also from my students, you know, uh, they've been sharing to me about uh, bullying or even uh, sexual harassment, you know, verbal sexual harassment. So it was a very good class this morning, Amina. That's pretty cool. I mean, you actually get your students to share uh, personal uh, discussions about about their families. That's really, really great because I'm sure that helps you also 
in calibrating the research that, that you're doing. So you must be very proud, Ayesa, of your classes. Well, as I always tell all of my students every year, you know, I, I don't really look at them in terms of how many A's, grade A's do they get. You know, after all, it's it's their own uh, personal performance. But what matters to me most as a teacher really is that hopefully when they finally join the workforce or they become, who knows, maybe politicians in the future, then if they can remember, you know, what they've learned in our class, then that to me is really uh, an indicator that they've done, I've done well as a teacher and that they've also learned uh, well during their time with me. Yeah. So how about in Manila, Amina? Any exciting news, especially in the peace process? Like how is the Mindanao peace process holding up? So far, so good. All quiet on the, the Western Front. So I guess the leadership of the Bangsamoro Autonomous Region for Muslim Mindanao, whom you know very well, uh, leadership led by the Moro Islamic Liberation Front, they seem to be doing well managing the transition because dear listeners um, this the this Bangsamoro autonomous region of Muslim Mindanao is a very exciting uh, experiment because we had a successful peace process with the uh, Muslim Liberation Front uh, two of them actually what we have now is an experiment in a regional autonomous government that's very different from the national. I mean, imagine this, if, if you will. At the national level, we have a presidential system very much like the United States, but in the Bangsamoro Autonomous okay. Region for Muslim Mindanao, it's a parliamentary system. Mm. So there's going to be a lot of kinks in the works but uh, I guess there's a lot of cooperation, not just from the government, but from civil society, because we all want uh, the, the peace agreement to succeed. And uh, luckily, Ayesa has also right. had a, uh, a hand in working on, on the peace process. But Ayesa, I was just <laughs> thinking that, um, you know, during the negotiations, uh, between a government and the Moro Islamic Liberation Front, there were occasions where some of the MILF leaders were brought to other areas where you had similar conflicts, like in, in southern Thailand. And you know what, Ayesa? Yeah. I didn't quite realize yes. that the, the problem in uh, southern Thailand started in the 60s. Can you imagine? So pretty yes. much, although it was very, very low level of uh, conflict at the time, I mean, they they had that conflict starting at about the same time that we were having the really bad armed conflict between the Moro National Liberation Front led by Professor Miswari and government. Can you imagine? I, I'm so ignorant about the uh, about matters in uh, in southern Thailand, how the conflict started, what they're doing now. But the 60s, I guess, can you imagine? I guess, I mean, because uh, 
it happened that uh, while it is true that more or less the MNLF and uh, the non-state actor groups from Southern Thailand also came about almost the same time in the late 60s, uh, it was really, uh, and, and all the while, you know, um, peace the peace studies and conflict resolution practitioners were thinking, you know, this was uh, before 2004, everybody was looking at Southern Thailand conflict as a very successful type of conflict management by the Thai state. So that was how it was, you know, before 2004. But when 2004 happened, there was this incident called the Takbay incident. And I think uh, I, our guest uh, speaker uh, today will, you know, can can tell us about this Takbay incident. That was really when, you know, the conflict again, uh, you know, escalated. So so for a while, you know, uh, it was well managed and suddenly Takbay uh, happened and then now it's still a continuing process, you know, and I'm sure uh, our guest will also give us updates of where they are now in the peace process. Yeah, it's actually yeah. exciting that in in the region, I mean, uh, there are actually um, yeah, several right to self-determination or identity type of conflicts. You know, that uh, we've true. been uh, working on for quite some time. Not only uh, Bangsamoro, but also Southern Thailand. Then there's Aceh. And of course, there's Timor-Leste. So these really, these four conflicts are really more or less you know, similar. And that is why we uh, label them as right to self-determination type of conflicts. Yeah, that's why it's really great, uh, Ayesa, that on this episode of uh, She Talks Peace, we will be talking about the armed conflict in the, the southern provinces of Thailand, but we'll be taking a closer look at uh, the perspective of religion. What role does this religion play? What positive role can religion play? I'm excited about that, Ayesa. How about you? Yeah. Yeah, actually, it's also good to uh, for our viewers to understand that if you compare it to the Bangsamoro situation, the one distinct, uh, uh, distinct uh, contrast would be the population mix. You know? If in the Bangsamoro region or in Mindanao, you know, uh, the Bangsamoro population has become smaller. You know, in southern Thailand, actually, uh, 90% of the population in the southern Thailand provinces, you know, that includes Yala, Naratiwat, uh, Songkla, um, and uh, well, what is this again? There are four provinces. Patani. Patani, okay, the most important one, Patani. So they, you know, 90% uh, of the people there are actually Malay Muslims, while only 10% are Buddhist Thais. You know, so it, it, in that way, you know, it has a very interesting dynamics as well, where you, in fact, you already have the Malay Muslims as a majority population as compared to our Bangsamoro case that we are not, not really, we are like, uh, in a minority, you know, in, in the whole of Philippines and in Mindanao, but at the same time, uh, we really look at it as a margin, as a process of marginalization instead of a minority issue. Yeah. Yeah. Same dynamics. I'm so excited, Ayesa. Do introduce our guest and let's bring her on board. So today we will be joined by our special guest. Her name is Dr. Supatmet Yunyasit. 
Dr. Supatmet, or we call her Dr. Tum, or Tum. She is the Thai representative to the ASEAN Women Peace Registry. And Dr. Tum here has been part of the Institute of Human Rights and Peace Studies at Mahidol University. So a lot of her work, you know, has really been from her research, you know, and uh, a lot of her uh, fieldwork activities, you know, working in the southern Thailand provinces, where she specializes on all these conflict transformation and peace building, focusing, as you mentioned, about uh, relationship between uh, different religious groups, you know, the Buddhists and the Malay Muslims and other religious uh, uh, groups as well. So Tum is is an anthropologist, you know, by uh, training, you know, but she has really been uh, also very um, well-known Know, for her work in terms of women's rights issues as well in southern Thailand and in in uh, the whole of Thailand. So I'd like now to call on our friend, Tum, to join us. Hi. Welcome, Tum, to She Talks Peace. Yes, thank you, Isa, for the introduction. Yes, thank you very much for having me today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome, welcome, Tom. I'm glad you're over COVID finally. <laughs> yes. Yes, luckily. It's interesting also to share with you. I also listening to what you're discussing just now. It's very, you know, it's an honor to join your discussion today. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. Oh, by the way, uh, yes, uh, <laughs> Tom had a paper, a publication, I think. Uh, last year. And this is a study comparing uh, Southern Thailand and uh, Mindanao in the Philippines. And um, it was an interreligious study on interreligious dialogue used as a tool to transform conflict and build peace. But within ASEAN context, that's, that's pretty interesting uh, for, for all of us. But how, how, how did you get into this field, Tom? I mean, what inspired you to study religion in the context of peace and conflict? Well, at first, it's not really about religion. I'm interested. I was interested in culture. I studied literature. And also, when I got a chance to study in Malaysia, I spent about a decade in Malaysia. And then I immersed myself with the kind of uh, context with multicultural interaction interreligious interaction. So that my interest shift from culture to religion. 
right? And I see the role of religion. Religion can play so many roles to enhance uh, peaceful coexistence in a society like Malaysia. You know, they interact greatly and then they're so rich, the, the multicultural, multi-religious context, compositions of Malaysia is so rich and so vivid. So this, that inspired me to, to look into the issues of religion. And at that time, I, I was focusing on understanding how the Thai Buddhist minority in a predominantly Malayo-Muslim context right, and also multicultural context, how they thrive, how they preserve their identity. So that's the starting point of, of how I, I venture into this field of uh, religions and peace building. And then later on, when I get a job at the Institute of Human Rights and Peace Studies uh, as a lecturer, we have a chance to really do a lot of things in the southernmost provinces of Thailand, where you already uh, uh, said in the introduction, we have conflict that ongoing since 2004, right? But it can date back to, to the 1960s, like you mentioned, Amina. Some people said it, it can go way back, you know, maybe four, 500 years ago. Also possible. Yeah, right. <laughs> how the dynamic, how the evolve, evolution of the of the issue has been you know for a decade for a century I can say for a century yes dumb common uh, friend of of uh, ours this is this is this funny yes because a common friend of ours uh, told me once and I was uh, talking about uh, the conflict in southern Thailand and he said oh you mean Upper Malaya <laughs> <laughs> yes I guess what were you going to say yes like. You know, Amina, Amina, you know, Tum and I are similar in, in a way because Tum also uh, finished her PhD from a university in Malaysia. And Tum is also good in speaking Bahasa Malaysia. Oh, I would, I would not say that my Malay is good, but it's, you know, I can converse in, in Bahasa. So that, that's a, that's a, that's a plus point, point when you study so long in Malaysia, you pick up the language. Right, I studied at UM first, and then I continue my PhD at UKM, the Kabangsan, Malaysia. Right, so where my professor is there, so he he's from Kelantan. My my late professor, uh, Muhammad Yusof Ismail. So that's my mentor and my my father actually. <laughs> he, he is yeah. Well, tell us about the the conflict in Southern Thailand, Tum, or or Upper Malaya, whatever. How did it how did it start and what's going on today? The, for the conflict, uh, this one that, that happening in, in the south of Thailand since 2004, you want to count this recent episode? Uh, we lost about 7,000 lives so far since 2004. And uh, of course, it's about the history that we have in the past uh, concerning the Malay population in the south and the, uh, and the Thai state. Up north, right? So that's the issues of how people would like to uh, assert their uh, identities, get respected because they've been sidelined for so long by the state authorities. If you look into it, the history of Thai nation building, so uh, in the past, you, you know, in the south of Thailand, we have the Sultanate called Fatoni Sultanate, and there's independent state run by uh, queens and also the, uh, her assistant. Right, and then uh, later on, you know, when we during the Utaya time, they, uh, there's a conqueror. We call uh, they call us the conqueror from the north, the Thai Buddhist state from uh, from Utaya. The Siamese kingdom during Utaya time, uh, they venture to the south and they try to integrate this sultanate into a part of bigger Siamese kingdom. But that's how uh, you know the 
issues of uh, cultural assimilations come along. The peace process started since 2010, you know, officially kickstarting in 2010. And it's been, uh, you know, uh, they're trying to integrate, uh, try to incorporate all those conflicting parties. We have one big party, the Thai, Thai state actors, uh, the Thai government. And the other part, we have uh, the insurgent group, which all together, there's about seven or eight groups all together. Right, and they have different view also how they want to see the end games of this of this conflict, right? So that two parties, and then we have Malaysia involved as a facilitator for the conflict. But so far, uh, before the the peace process started, uh, there also been uh, the talk behind the scene as well, right? But the the peace process started in two thousand and ten, and then uh, right now there's many development along the way. But of course, it's difficult to build trust between these two groups of uh, of actors. As you know, uh, in a peace peace building, uh, uh, peace dialogue, we are, the trust building is very important. So five years ago, they are trying to come up with project called Safety Zone, but later on, it's been cancelled. Right. So right now, it's been difficult to really engage the two parties into concrete activities. But even though they engage a lot in talking, Malaysia try their best to facilitate the the peace uh, peace talk, whether in Malaysia or so in 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 the northern parts of Malaysia or so in Kuala Lumpur itself, right? But it's somehow difficult when the both parties still don't still unsure about what the other side think of them. So, Tom, what is the safety zone, and and why did the state? stop implementing the safety zone? They are trying to select about five areas in the south of Thailand to become a safety zone, meaning that there will be no no attack, no uh, you know, arm shooting between the state and also the, the, the insurgent group become a safe space, right? But somehow they managed to identify the, the spot to implement this project. But later on, it become a complication because people are not sure whether how many people will, will get involved in this to fo- can follow through the step that's set by the state and also by the insurgent group. And it's been a voice from the uh, Muslim, uh, Malay Muslim women. And when women talk about safety zone, they think about safety zone like at the marketplace or schools or something else. But in the mind, in the eyes of the state actors with, and also the insurgent group with their male, right? So they think about, they have different ideas of safety zone. They identify some other spot apart from this uh, daily interaction, the place for daily interaction with, with, with for women. They identify different places for safety safety zone. So that's why it become a clash also between the, how the conflicting party think about safety zone and how the other population think about it. Tam, that's a very good point if I you may, you know, uh, extend the yeah. discussion because you mentioned a very good point that the women have different understanding of which area should be a safety zone as compared to the state and the non-state actor groups. You know, and that's where WPS comes in, Tam. Yes, that's why voice of women is very uh, uh, matters in, in, in this issue, right? And then, but in the South, we still lack representation women representations in the peace negotiation table, right? Maybe women is on on board as well, but not officially recognized or appointed as a part of the team, right? So that's something that we need to follow 
or observe uh, the example from the Philippines as well, how you manage to increase women participation in, in the peace process. Will it make a big difference, Tom, if um, your government would give more participation for women? Because the other thing that you and I used to talk about was a problem also from the Buddhist end of it. And I think, yes, from the Muslim part of it. Uh, how do you get these faiths to give more chances for women to participate in, uh, in peace building and peace processes? Well, it's important to, to have women on board because they are the key stakeholders of the conflict. When they are fighting, right, women have to take up so many roles that they, ne they have never done before. Right, so that's why their voice, their concern, their grievances are matter. And we need to listen to them more. And I believe that uh, as a woman, they can manage to reach out to various groups of people and can create, become a connector to this uh, conflicting society. They can engage more with various groups of people, with youth, with elderly, with religious leaders, with many parties. But for, for the Southern Thailand, I can see that for the Buddhists uh, that I interacted with, Uh, the women managed to do a lot of Buddhist women. Uh, these, these issues about women, Buddhist, Buddhist women engaged in peace building is, is been something that we are tackling along with the project that we started about six years ago when we get the funding from the Swiss government. Because six years ago, you will never hear about the voice of the Buddhist. Everybody, everybody attentions or resources will go to the Malay, Malay Muslim. So our project that started six years ago, funded by the Swiss government, we are trying to reach out to, to the Buddhists because during the past, during that time, there's not, not so much uh, voice of the Buddhists that put on the table. We don't know what the Buddhists think about the conflict or whether they have anything to say about uh, what kind of thing that we should move forward. So that's the first time that we are trying to bring the Buddhists on board. And the Buddhist women also one of the key actors in the community that we engage with their, with their civil society sectors, right? So we bring them together and discuss the conflict and also reach out to other actors that engage in conflict as well. So that, that's, that's the idea that we have uh, both uh, Buddhist lay actors and also religious leaders engage in, in, engage in peace building, right? Tom? Can we ask you, how do you do this inter-religious dialogue? How does this work in your project? Okay, so our inter-religious dialogue is something that uh, we have been engaged in since 2009, even before I joined the Institute of Human Rights and Peace Studies. We, as, we serve as a headquarter for Religion for Peace Thailand. And now I'm the Secretary General of, of that organization. So inter-religious dialogue is something that we are trying to perceived as a tool to transform conflict. We, we believe that it's not only vertical relationship, meaning state actors and citizen relationship that needs to be tackled in order to transform the conflict, but the horizontal level also matters. So at this horizontal level, we believe that if the community interacting, interaction is okay, so it's somehow going to send an impact towards the, the vertical level the state to citizen uh, relationship as well, and also to the peace process. So that's why the interreligious dialogue that we engage with is started since 2009, and then we bring in religious leaders, women, and also youth uh, into this dialogue. 
And you know, we have five religions that engage in this interreligious dialogue: the Muslim, the Buddhist, the Sikh, the Hindu, and also the 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 the, the Baha'i as well. Right. So we, we include all these groups, the Christian, into this these uh, activities that we 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 do. We have done since 2009. From 2009 onward, our interreligious dialogue, we have three main groups of uh, actors that get involved in this interreligious dialogue. We have religious leaders, we have women, and also we have the youth group that engage in this. And prior to interreligious dialogue uh, takes place, we also have capacity building workshop for them as well to understand more about deep listening, about our cross-community peace building, about conflict analysis. So this is come in a whole package with the interreligious dialogue. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah, but Tom, let me ask you a, a controversial uh, topic. Because when you talk about interreligious dialogue, you're talking about the leaders of the faiths coming together. But you know uh, in uh, in the buddhist uh, religion and and also in the uh, uh, the islamic faith we have serious fundamental barriers for getting women to be part of the 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 leadership uh, the process of the faith so how are you managing trying to get women's voices heard within the, the structure of the the Buddhist religion. Because Ayesa and I can certainly use your insights for doing the work that we're doing within the Muslim faith as well, Tom. How do you do it? Oh, it's not easy. Also, the issues of women involvement in this uh, this uh, process, right? We have Bikuni that not really officially endorsed by the by the actors in the society or by the mainstream or by the institution, Buddhist institutions in Thailand. So what I try to do regarding also this interreligious dialogue, we integrate the female Buddhist monk into the platform. When we have this female Buddhist, uh, female monk join to the, the dialogue session, of course, there's some, uh, you know, some monk that uh, really open-minded. We try to integrate them into the platform. And if you read John Paul Lederach, he talked about critical yeast theory, is that you find somebody that can make the whole dough. If you make a bread, right, the whole dough, you add the yeast and then the whole dough will rise up. So this thing, the Buddhist monk, the male Buddhist monk that's open-minded enough, we integrate them into the platform with the female, female monk. And we hope that they can spread uh, understanding about having female into the discussions, having female into the process of uh, decision making, and this is our yeast, right? They are our yeast. So that's my strategy to try to you know have them familiar with the female man and they work together right, for the future collaboration. Uh, you know what, uh, Tom? I think you, Ayesa, and I are 
you know, trying so hard to get our voices heard and becoming part of our of our faith. But uh, are you optimistic that it's going to happen? Because our faiths are really very patriarchal. Like we have women religious, we have the Alima, the Catholics have nuns, and Buddhists have female monks uh, as well. But trying to get the patriarchal, <laughs> you know, a style of management in our faith is, is so problematic. So are you optimistic, Tom, that it's, we, we can really do this, be heard? I think there's a lot of challenges, but... Uh, from my view and my experience, I think the younger generation in Thailand, they are more open-minded with LGBTQ, with the women voice and whatever. So I think we are ch- shifting toward a better situation, right? And then we can see that women have done a lot of things positive for the society and then they should be given a chance to, to play an active role into this. So, but of course, we live in a patriarchal society and that attitude, not only about male attitude, but the female, the, the women in the society as well. Most of them or some of them trying to uphold the same kind of perception, the same standard. So we not only have to tackle the male actors, but also the female actors as well. Oh, I, I agree with them 100% on, on that. But we have to also... Uh, reach out to the women. And yeah. Tom is absolutely right, Ayesa. I mean, you and I, we, we've seen that happening, right? Where you have influential women who support the patriarchy and yeah. are not really pro-women's participation. That's right. <laughs> they try to uphold the tradition. They try to, uh, you know, if you are trying to go against the norm, the society that you know, of the society, somehow you will get attacked by the female, by the women as well. So that's something yeah. we should really think along. Okay. Um, I'd like to know, uh, do you have a lot of female uh, Buddhist monk leaders? Are, are there many of them or, you know, um, can, can you? We have quite a lot in Thailand. Actually, I interacted with them both at the central region and also in the south. In the southernmost provinces of Thailand, we have the female monk we call Pikuni, right? From Songkla joining our activities. And they, they are such a powerful group that can reach out to various groups of people. And then they really engage in peace work, cause community peace building. So we would like to see them play a more active role, not only in the South, but also in other parts of Thailand. too. I keep my fingers crossed that it's going to happen, Tom. But, you know, time flies. And I'm getting a message from our producer that we're running out of time. So before before we, we say our goodbyes, Tom, perhaps you can reach out to, to our listeners and uh, what's your message for them about... Uh, getting women heard even within the the space of uh, of faith because you know you're right Tom. It, it it could really happen at a faster pace i mean just look at what's happening in iran the women are rising up and saying we want freedom so they're saying women freedom and i am looking forward to what can happen in in the future will the women of iran be able to reform the very, very fundamentalist patriarchal system of, uh, 
of uh, leadership in, in Islam that they have in Iran. So what's your message, Dam? I believe if you, like Aisha, I think you believe too that uh, human rights is very important and everybody should be uh, have equal opportunity to participate in, in, in the social, political or any sphere of the society. Right? So women also play an active role so far and then they... Because of uh, the all kind of traditional mindset that set them back, so we see so far that you know the development of the society, uh, every society around the world, uh, women play a key role in that. You know, decades ago, centuries ago, so that should be a chance for women to really uh, feel free to express their ideas that and also engage in action. And I think that uh, if we regard women as an asset, it's only a plus point that we can get from that, right? I don't see any negative thing that come come from that, giving women more participations, uh, respect, and also uh, have them engage more in the, in, in, in the society, right? So that's something that we should look forward to, regard women as an asset and also give them a role to play in the society. So I think I have a very... Uh, Uh, positive thought on this scenario. I think it's going to move toward a better direction with women engaged more and also being recognized more as a key player in the society. So whatever we're trying to do, I think we come to the right direction. We just have to keep going. That's all. So we want everyone on board into, into this mission, right? So whether you are youth, uh, religious leaders, you know, elderly or whatever, you can play a role into promoting uh, women's rights and women's voice in your society. So just play your part, right? And then, you know, look forward to a better uh, future. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Um, and of course, you, Ayesa, and I, because we're part of the ASEAN Women Peace Registry, we tend to be a little bit more optimistic than most of our sisters elsewhere because ta-da, ASEAN has its regional plan of action on women, peace, and security, which is going to be launched December. So I'm quite excited about that, and I'm sure you are too. So Ayesa, Tham, Thank you so much for this fantastic conversation. And to our dear listeners, thank you for joining us. And by the way, dear listeners, if you have questions for our, our guest, for our Dr. Tom, and you have comments, do please send us an email at shetalkspeacepodcast at gmail.com. Let me repeat that. Shetalkspeacepodcast at gmail.com. So thanks so much, um, Ayesa. Thank you, Amina. Thank you, Aisha. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your work with us, Tom. And I'm sure, you know, many of our listeners and viewers will really be inspired that, you know, in the Buddhist community itself, you know, they're also very active on conflict transformation and peace building. So all the best to your work at Mahidol. And here's to women. Yes, thank you. Bye. Bye, everybody. She Talks Peace is brought to you in partnership with Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. For more information, check out their website at podcastnetwork.asia and podmetrics.co.
The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.